Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hey, hey, and welcome to Maximize Your Influence Podcast 410. Kurt Mortensen here. So we're talking about some of those non-verbals, your body language, your gestures that help you influence people, and those gestures, those non-verbals that repel people and hurt your body language. Hope you're having a great week. Things are going well for you. You're achieving your goals. You're making things happen. You're becoming more influential and making a difference out there. Of course, we're going to talk about the things we should have learned in school, the persuasion, the negotiation, influence, mindset, emotional intelligence, and giving those persuasive presentations. Been a busy week for me, doing a lot of those eight-hour Zoom presentations. There's some breaks in there. We do some group exercises. It's still a long time and probably why my voice is very squeaky today. The top of this week was how do you influence up? How do you influence without authority? How do you persuade when you don't have the position? How do you lead the leader? As organizations are getting flatter, it's becoming more and more important to influence the person above you and even equal to you. Maybe another manager of equal authority. How do you persuade that person when you don't have the title, the position, or the authority? And we'll talk about more of that in upcoming podcasts. But let's dive into it now. Let's go into the persuasion blunder. Homer. Don't, don't, don't. This goes to Oscar Meyer. I don't know, this might be a blend, yeah. I'm thinking it's kind of a blunder. It's kind of like a bad subconscious trigger, ooh, type stuff. I don't know how much market research they did on this brand new product, but we all know about bologna. Those in other countries, it's a lunch meat that I don't even know what it's made of, but it used to be popular with kids. It was never my favorite, but kids loved it. So they decided to make a bologna face mask. Something you'd put on your face to moisturize your skin, cleanse your skin, and I guess look more beautiful. It actually looks, when you buy that face mask, like you're buying bologna, but it says face mask on it. It says, please do not eat. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, why in the world do we do this? I guess they say it was inspired by the classic childhood tradition of taking a slice of bologna and I guess cutting out some eye holes or chewing out some eye holes in the mouth hole and putting it on your face. Uh, I've never done that, never seen it, but I guess many people have to the point where they create a product around it. Now, this is on Yahoo News. I'll put the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So the company that makes this is Kraft Heinz. I mean, they create food, but now they're doing facial products. And it says it hydrates, restores, promotes skin elasticity, Improves hydration and moisture retention. So, hey, a baloney face mask. Why not? I don't know if you did that. Let me know at KurtMaximizeYourInfluence.com if you've ever done that, if you've tried this. I'm thinking blunder. Let me know if you think this is an incredible thing. I'm not sure it's going to make it. Just having a baloney face mask. And, again, they did say <laughs> don't eat it. But hey, let me know. I'm calling out blunder on this one just because when you hear it, that feeling inside, that's a bad subconscious trigger. Probably not something that you're going to do. But hey, if you've used it, you like it, let me know. 
So this is coming from Yahoo News. I'll post the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's also the home of the free book, Maximum Influence. That's a new edition. Pick up a little shipping and handling. Take your Persuasion IQ and check us out. Other products and services and see what we are up to. And that takes us to a listener email. Oh, boy. Remember when you send me an email at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com and I use it on the podcast. You get a free membership at InfluenceUniversity.com. Check it out. That's where we go through all the persuasion influence tools in one spot. I'm going to do listener email first because this is going to lead us into our scholarly article of the week. This is Tariq from Abu Dhabi. That's in the United Arab Emirates. That is just north of Dubai. It takes about an hour, if I remember right, to drive from Dubai to Abu Dhabi. He says, hey, Kurt, I saw you at a seminar on charismatic leadership a few years ago in Dubai. Hope you're coming back soon. Uh, well, Tariq, scheduled towards more towards the end of the year. We'll have to take a look at it and see. Depends on world conditions and if there's any pandemics going around. He continues and says, since your visit, I have become a student of persuasion. I'm going to add awesome. Keep going. I have been working on reading body language lately and my own body language. I know on your podcast, you periodically review an article. Could you review this one and let me know what you think? All right. I will post this link again at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Let's take a look at it, Tariq. This is an article on nonverbal communication tips from Ethos3.com and Leslie Belknap. So go through them and uh, add my two cents. And all the links for each one of these studies is within the article. So studies within a study. First one, be aware. Studies show that body language accounts for between 50 to 70% of all communication. True, true. I agree. Actually, some studies show that it's higher. No one really agrees what the percent is. I'm just going to say it's really large. Reading body language, understanding your own body language is critical. But yeah, very important. I think we all know that. To where if your body language doesn't match your message, your tone, your voice, your words, people are always going to believe the body language first. Agreed. Next one. When making a formal presentation, move, then pause. Human beings are drawn to movement. Yeah. I hate podiums. When I teach persuasive presentations, we get away from it. There's a barrier there. I know it's easier. Your notes are there. You're hiding your body. But it's a barrier. You can't move. I mean, you can move your hands every once in a while, but very few people do. So get out in front of the audience, move around, don't get stuck in one spot. I mean, movement, it does grab the eye. Just think about the pizza restaurants that are dancing in the street, moving the side, and we see other businesses doing that, hiring a high school student or college students to dance around, moving a sign, it does attract attention. Even in supermarkets, I think they have motion detectors where you go down an aisle and this coupon comes shooting out of a machine. <laughs> If you don't take it, it goes back in, but it's just movement, grabs your attention. I definitely agree. We are drawn to movement. It grabs our attention. This next one says, take a cue from Oprah. For those that are around the world, she was a famous talk show host in the United States. She steeples her fingers. And this study says, when you put your fingertips to fingertips, it increases your authority. I haven't heard that one before. That's a new one for me. I think a lot of people do that too when they're thinking. So I'm not sure it's always going to come across as authority. It could, but it could mean other things, especially to other cultures. And that's very important. A gesture in the United States 
could be very offensive in Brazil, which is different in Greece, which might be okay in Italy. I mean, we have to be careful with our gestures and what we do, even with our feet. North America, men like to cross their legs, but in some parts of the world, showing the bottom of your feet is not a good thing. So, no right or wrong, just different. The next one during conversations, mirror, casually match the mannerisms of the other person to signal a connection. Agreed, we've talked about that on the show, it's called isopraxism, mirror matching, Basically, you are accelerating rapport because you're going to mirror each other anyway. It just happens naturally. You're just accelerating. When it's done, under the radar. Now, I personally hate the term mirror and match. It sounds like you're mimicking them. I think it's much better. And the term that I use in training is delayed similar response. Doesn't have to be exactly the same or at the exact same time, a delayed similar response or delayed similar gesture. All right, nodded sets of three to show interest in a comment, not only once to signal the end of an interaction. I agree, three, you know, you're showing interest, you could even do more. I mean, just a subtle up and down, yes, see if they mirror you. If they mirror you, they've been persuaded. You could go ahead and seal the deal. I don't know about the nod only once to signal the end of an interaction. Of course, that's gonna vary by culture. Haven't seen that one before, so I'm going to put a maybe on that one. I just try it out. It seems kind of odd as I'm doing it myself right now. The next one is be sincere. Don't immediately smile when you greet someone. Pause and look at their face, then smile. Uh, <laughs> I don't know on that one. Sincere's good. Smiling's good. But if you're walking towards each other and you're 20 feet away and you make the eye contact, I'd start smiling then. You'd kind of look if you're frowning doing the RBF, and only smile when you get close to them, some people might think that is odd. I mean, when you catch each other's eyes and you smile, there's, I prefer to do that. Again, I like being sincere. I like the smile part. But I think sometimes you might wait a little too long, especially if they're smiling at you first and you wait till you get closer to them to smile. might seem a little odd. All right, let's move on. Research shows that when you're giving a presentation that hand gestures are very effective, especially when you compare it to speakers who don't use hand gestures. Maybe. <laughs> it depends on the hand gestures. If you are giving people the bird, that's not a good hand gesture. If you're making fists, that's not a good hand gesture. But I do love hand gestures as long as when you gesture, your hands come back down to your side. You don't get stuck in the middle like a fig leaf, right, if you know what that is. Or you fold your arms in front of you, which many people do, which is a barrier. And I've critiqued over 10,000 presentations. As most people, they gesture, they come back, and they hold their hands maybe over their belly, do the fig leaf. Not a very confident stance. So gestures are good. Once you gestures, bring your hands back down to your side. All right. This one is use your eyes. Most people focus 43% of their attention on your eyes during interactions. Eye contact. I'm going to add, don't look down when your cell phone buzzes. Look at your eye watch when it buzzes. Keep the eye contact. Now, not 100% of the time because that means you're either angry or falling in love. Not going to help you in the world of persuasion and influence. Average around the world is probably around 70%. But eye contact, good. As long as you're not staring them down. If you have an audience, you're sharing the love to the different sections of the room. But I'll agree, eye contact is good. Moving on. Studies show that open body language is more persuasive. Oh, obviously. 
agree on that one. Open body language, not making fists, feet pointing towards them, your shoulders are squared up, you're having that eye contact, you're being open, you know, not being closed off with those gestures. So be open. Next one, we've talked about this on the podcast, the science of proxemics. That's the study of personal space. They stand four feet away from others to gauge space preferences. Well, if it's a stranger you're meeting for the first time, a little distance, four feet, that seems about right. I mean, when you get to know them, it's probably going to be more like two feet. If it's a good friend, someone that you know, this absolutely varies by culture. And I've also noticed it varies by where you live. As far as if you live in a big city, you can handle less space than if you live out in the countryside. One study I saw with friends, North America is around 24 inches. South America, 16 inches. Germany's a little further apart, 28 inches. Some places in the Middle East, uh, no inches. They like to feel your breath. You have to decide. I think we've all had a close talker that was just a little too close to us. Made us a little nervous, a little uneasy. And I'm going to add, too, the way you sit across from a person or next to a person or across from their desk on a slight angle, those all make a difference. Depending on the gender and the situation, of course, the country and the size of the city that you live in. This was for a burst of bravado, which basically means maybe a little swagger, being a little bold. I guess that's kind of how we can define that. This says, raise your chin. It says, use sparingly, though, this kid can come across as arrogant. Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't risk coming across as arrogant. The chin going up, that is a sign of arrogance. Even in the animal world, when there's fight, there's anger, the chin kind of goes up. Sadness, the chin tends to go down. So we can read the chin. I wouldn't risk it. I mean, you could try it out if you want. That seems to me it'll come across on the negative side more than the positive side. Okay, get organized. Studies show that people who carry more than one item are often judged as forgetful. <laughs> Now, that one is a new one on me. I don't know. I, I have seen a study where, you know, lawyers that come in carrying a bunch of stuff and they're opening the briefcase papers everywhere. The jury is judging them and it does hurt the jury's perception of them. So I have seen that. Maybe that's the same type of thing where you're carrying way too much and you come across as disorganized and forgetful. So something to think about. I'm also going to add to that too, just the way you walk into the room. If you're walking in, I'll scatterbrained and what to do and get things going versus confidently walking in the room could make a big difference here too. This one says if people watch your hands more than your face to gesture less, probably it's very rare. So I guess don't overdo hand gestures, but I mean, if you're from Italy or parts of the world, will use more gestures, you do. That is a cultural thing. So never seen it. It's possible. Moving on to angle your body. And I briefly talked about this before that men more than women feel confronted if someone stands squared up during a conversation. Now, this is people you're meeting for the first time. It's always less confrontational at a restaurant to sit at a slight angle in the office when you're standing, especially men. Now, one side I did see that women want to be squared up more. There's more of a connection. Maybe this goes back to our, when we were knights and carrying swords, a confrontation. This is a less confrontational. Do agree on that one. Your handshake should be firm, but not crushing, and last no longer than three shakes. I'll agree with that. Did read a study that showed that a uh, bad handshake will set you back one hour in building rapport. That is true. So I would say not crushing, too weak, too many pumps. They say three shakes, I agree. But, you know, we've had this COVID thing. 
And what I would recommend, is, since we're not shaking hands anymore, at least some people don't, is I would wait, especially if you're influencing up, to see if they're coming in for a bump. Because nothing's worse if they're bumping hand, bump, you both are going back and forth. See if they're going to shake hands, if they're going to bump or do nothing, and mirror that response. Nervous mannerisms such as fidgeting communicate lack of confidence. Yep, I agree with that one. To encourage collaboration, remove barriers. Don't let objects or your hands block your body. I agree. I talk about the podium or other things. Watch where the pillars are. Make sure the group can see you. Try to put the door at the back if you can to eliminate the distractions. Agreed on that one. Moving on, don't stare. Continuous eye contact for 10 seconds or longer makes people feel uncomfortable. Agreed. Talked about that one. Consider multiple cues when interpreting body language. Single gestures aren't accurate indicators. I agree 100% on that one. That's why in negotiation, when I teach detecting deception, you come in and you talk about the weather or things that aren't stressful so you can see they're normal, how they normally act in non-stressful situations. And then you start looking for clusters. When you get into a negotiation, or let's take detecting deception. If they keep touching their face, that doesn't mean they're lying. If they start to perspire more, that doesn't mean they're lying. If they start taking up less space, doesn't mean they're lying. If they start using more vocal fillers, it doesn't mean they're lying. But if you see all those... They're probably lying. In fact, if you want to know more about detecting deception, go to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Check it out. It's a fascinating topic. Tilting your head can express empathy and understanding or submission. We just naturally do that. I agree. During negotiations, keep your feet firmly planted on the ground to show resolve. I'm going to go maybe on that one. That one's a new one. I may have to take a deeper dive on that research and figure it out. It sounds like it could work. Why not? If you're a little more relaxed, if your feet up or they're crossed, this shows resolve. Most negotiations are around a table where they can't see your feet, so it probably doesn't matter. Beware of blinking too much. Rapid blinking can communicate that you are feeling uncomfortable and or lying. We've seen that in, uh, with presidents of the United States who have been caught lying. They go back to videos. They do blink more. That is another sign of lying or deception. This one, I guess it's in the body language category. If someone enters your office uninvited, stand up to signal your busyness. I've always recommended that for the pop-in. When somebody pops in and you don't want them to stay very long, if you stand up when they come in, which is a sign of respect, they won't sit down. When they don't sit down, they don't stay as long. Then there's the eyes. Pupils involuntarily dilate when someone is interested in something. That is true. Most people don't recognize that. you got to be pretty close to see that happening. If you're giving a presentation and you're just standing there, put your feet shoulder-width apart to convey confidence. I agree on that one. Your feet shouldn't be touching together and they shouldn't be spread wide out, but that is true. Kind of like almost shoulder-width apart is what I've always seen, heard, and done. And finally, to read body language accurately, don't think about it. Listen to your gut. Don't overanalyze. Now, at first, it'll take a little time to read the body language, but it'll start happening instinctively. Don't think too much about it. I mean, if all your bandwidth is in reading body language and nothing else, you're going to seem distant. You're going to seem like you're in left field. You're really not paying attention. That's why when I teach persuasive presentations, I don't ever, ever have people memorize their presentation because your bandwidth is on the recall instead of reading, understanding, and connecting with your audience. So there you have it. Hopefully that was helpful. Most of those were spot on. I do agree. 
So we'll send you your free membership to InfluenceUniversity.com. That's our podcast for the week. Thanks for being here. Please tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. We're also on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and iHeartRadio under Maximize Your Influence. Check out some of our past episodes or just go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. The special of the week is my training on how to give the perfect persuasive presentation. I give you the templates step-by-step that you can download and just fill in the blanks. All I ask you to do is take a free assessment. It's called your Presentation IQ Assessment. Go to PresentationIQ.com. It's 10 questions. It helps you with my research, helps you understand your strengths and your weaknesses, and you'll get the free training, the video of me presenting, teaching persuasive presentation, and you'll be able to download the template of the perfect persuasive presentation. So check that out. I know we talked about a lot of different elements today, but take the one that resonated with you that was your aha moment, try it out, master it, become a better negotiator, a better influencer, and of course, go out and persuade with power.